Father, this morning we just come to you. We come to you humbling ourselves, surrendering ourselves, our hearts, our minds, our bodies, all of us, Lord. Help us. If there's anyone here who's troubled, anxious, worried, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would speak and help us to be still in your presence. For redemption comes from the Lord. Healing comes from the Lord. Deliverance comes from the Lord. Exaltation comes from the Lord. Help us to be still before thee and know that you are God. Speak, Father. Speak, Father. For your word has the power to work in those who believe. Your word has brought kingdoms down and raised up new kingdoms. It has sent kings to an eternity. Godless eternity. And yet taken beggars to heaven. It's the power of your word. Help us. When as we hear over and over again to believe that we might please you by our faith. Even today, I pray the hearing of your word will generate even more faith in our hearts, in our lives. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. The next five Sundays or six Sundays uh, will be basically me and Pastor Vijay, as the Lord leads, will be basically preparing us as a church to enter into our 10th year. Remember, I said, we don't have to be scared when you hear the number 10, which in the Bible means judgment, because judgment is not a bad word. It's a good word if the judgment is for you. If you're looking forward to promotion, judgment is a good word. If you're prepared for your exams, then judgment is a good word. But be prepared. Don't be caught unprepared. We enter into our 10th year, the month of June. So the word will be focused primarily preparing us for it. Last week we looked at Babylon, the world system created by the devil. How God uses sorcery, sorry, the devil uses sorcery to captivate people. Witchcraft is the power of the enemy through which multitudes are kept captive. And that's why God asks us to be obedient. Disobedience immediately leads to the power of witchcraft coming over us. And God has come to set us free. So scripture says Jesus is able to save those who obey him. Disobedience leads to witchcraft. Obedience leads to freedom. So God throughout, you will especially see in the book of Revelation, will call his people to come out of this world. Call symbolically Babylon, which is destined for judgment. The call of God is come out and do not share in the judgment of Babylon. In Revelation 18 and verses 4 and 5, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. 
for her sins have reached to heaven and god has remembered her iniquities the call of god is this come out of her my people before it is too late okay always remember god's timeline and our timeline is not the same we do not see what god sees okay when her sins reach to heaven when it is full that's when judgment comes and we do not know that day or that hour when god sees okay we know in noah's time when it was full judgment came nobody knew when it was full with canaan god said when the sins of amorites are full then judgment will begin on canaan and it started with joshua and the new israel the young generation entering into canaan judgment began and you know when judgment begins there is no escape nobody could escape no walls could stand nothing could withstand the judgment of god here now we are coming to the final judgment okay not the final the 20th or 19th of the 20 judgments in the bible okay there are 20 judgments in the bible and this judgment i don't exactly have to look exactly where it falls it it, it probably would be somewhere 16 or 17 okay the final judgment will be after the 1000 year rule of jesus and then the white throne judgment and then it is over everything is cast in the lake of fire and the new creation begins okay so we do not know when it is filling up so we have to hear the call of god like 120 years of the call of noah come out come out come out and enter into the ark nobody heard okay and then god gave 500 years to canaan to repent and change and by the time the end came they were so hardened that they had seen all the miracles and the mighty power of god destroying the most powerful nation egypt and still they will not surrender and jericho is walled up against god because that's what god says the hardening of the heart takes place so when it is still possible god says come out okay what is physical reality in the old testament is a spiritual reality which is within hearts are getting hardened and hardened and hardened so god says my people when you hear come out we saw what babylon is involved in in verses 11 to 13 and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her for no one buys their merchandise anymore merchandise of gold and silver precious stones pearls fine linen and purple silk and scarlet every kind of citron wood every kind of object of ivory every kind of object of most precious wood bronze iron and marble cinnamon and incense fragrant oil and frankincense wine and oil fine flour and wheat cattle and sheep horses and chariots if you look at this list till here you will see it basically under different headings brings in every kind of thing that we long in this world different headings everything that we long in this world is under that but ultimately what god is saying the devil uses all these things to basically trade in the bodies and the souls of men that's what he does to trade in the souls of bodies and men all these things are used to captivate the souls of men and women okay while the merchants of the earth are weeping 
On the other hand, the saints are called to rejoice. In verse 20, scripture says, Rejoice over all heaven and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. God said, I was waiting for 6,000 years. My patience is up. It's the revenge of God for what Babylon did to the saints of God. In verse 24, scripture says, In her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and of all who were slain on the earth. Babylon was built on the blood of innocence and of God's people. In Revelation 17, 5 and 6, when you see the woman riding the harlot on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. She is drunk with the blood of the saints over centuries. Remember, that's what Babylon is. That's what this world's world system is. This world system is against God and his people. And it uses things to captivate people and then trades in the souls of men. It's a process. So we saw, how does she do that? We saw it's the power of sorcery, witchcraft over this world, the trading of souls. And unless we understand this, we will not understand the message of the gospel. What is the gospel? If you, if you, if you, I mean, you have access almost, all of you have access. Um, 2009 and uh, 28th of June, there was this message preached called the stewardship of the soul. Okay, 28th June 2009, eight years, seven years, eight years ago. And PDF is also there. So read, listen to that message, you will understand it better. In Mark 8, 36 to 37, you will see the incredible value God places on Jesus. God places on the soul. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will man give in exchange for his soul? Babylon through things trades in bodies and the souls of men. Babylon is a trafficker of souls. This world system traffics in souls. And God says, do you understand from God's perspective the value of one soul? He says, even if you gain the whole world at the end, if you lose your soul, it was not worth it. One soul is in God's eyes more precious than all the wealth of this world. That was what was offered to Jesus. The devil took him to a mountain, showed him all the kingdoms, all the glory, all the power over all these things and says, you just worship me and I will give it to you. He said, no, in the process I will lose humanity. And you don't know the price my father attaches to humans, to the souls. Okay, So we have to see how God sees. And not, and also understand how the devil sees us. He looks at us as commodities to be bought and to be taken with him into the lake of fire one day. That's how he deceives. Let me explain a little, which you will understand better if you listen to that old message, but a little about why God places so much value on the human soul. When Adam was created, unlike other creations, 
Okay, unlike the rest of creation, we will see how God made Adam. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Okay. Everybody else by the word of mouth. But when it came to man, God formed him out of the dust of the ground. At that point, if God had said, let there be man, we would have been just like the animals. That's what he did not do. Why the scriptures scholars fearfully and wonderfully made? It's because of this one thing. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. If you look at KJV, it will tell you man became a living soul. That's how we are different from the rest of creation. Johan, we are different from the rest of creation. You are a living soul, a sleepy soul, but a living soul. Still living, precious in God's sight, so remain awake. Okay? We become a living soul. That's what it makes us different. Okay? We know now very well from scripture. I'll give you scripture. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 25, 23. About uh, 23 years. We know from 523, we are three-part being. We are a spirit, we are a soul, and we are a body. We have three parts. Every human being has three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. It is the spirit that makes us conscious of God. And unless God comes through Christ... And we believe and we are saved. We are not conscious about the real God unless salvation takes place. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, this part ceased. And after that, our search for God is only through the soul. So all religions end till here. And you can be incredibly good and religious in your soul. Incredibly. None of them will have the absolute assurance and confidence of their salvation because they cannot know God unless your spirit is activated because it's the spirit that makes us conscious, actual conscious of God. And it is the body that helps us to know the world. Remember, angels, demons are all spirit beings. They don't have a body. So they cannot experience the world like we do unless they get a body. That's why demons are looking to possess human bodies so that through us they can experience physical reality. Okay, understand. So here is the spirit which makes us conscious of God and here is the body that makes us conscious about this physical world and in between is our soul. Whichever way this part of us swings, that way we will go. The soul is the most important part of us. Where is our intellect, our emotions, our capacity to receive from God through the spirit or receive from the world through the body. It is all assimilated here. And both God and the devil is after our soul. The soul is originally a part of the spirit. The body is just a container. 
So when you and I die, we leave our body behind and go with our spirit. Either we go to God and the soul follows with the spirit or we go to hell. But the soul will bring all the consciousness of what we lived here. Understand. And you also know your spirit from the Bible, you understand, your spirit can be called out of your body can be taken out of your body. And if the spirit does not enter your body back, you are dead. So Paul will say, I do not know, 15 years or 13 years ago, I know in the spirit. In the spirit, the spirit comes out. Okay, the spirit comes out. God can do it. Demons can do it. Pull out your spirit. Understand. The ones who are in occult do that. They pull out spirits and they go and they come back. Understand how it works. Okay, then we'll understand how Babylon works and how the kingdom of God works and we'll be very, very careful and we'll understand the trap in which we are set. Okay? Your spirit can leave your body and come back. And God can do it. The enemy can do it. But like I said, when a man or man Generally, man, woman, child dies. His spirit will retain the soul or your personality and go with him either to heaven or to hell. Now, if we did not have this, we did not have this, we all would be the same. Different bodies, but all would be the same. But what makes us different is our soul. That gives us our personality. That is how each one is different, not because of the spirit, but because of the soul. If you look at the body, you will realize every baby, almost every baby born, when they are born, they look alike. That's when you almost believe in evolution. All look like little monkeys. Though we have to be very generous and say, oh, what a cute baby. But the fact is that they all look alike. But as they start growing, you will see the personalities are different. Even a child's personality, it has its own unique personality. Okay? So like I said, the soul can swing either way. Both God and the enemy is after your soul. And Babylon is entirely built like a giant spider's web to catch souls. The devil, Babylonian world system, is after the souls of men and women and children. The devil is a slave trader. He's a slave trader. He will give you things if he can get you souls. He will give you things if he can get you your soul. And because we don't understand the price of our soul, and if we let go of our soul, what our future would be like, if you know about slavery, okay, slavery in the ancient days. Um, slavery was the, like, don't uh, make it into a racial thing, okay? Slavery was there in every nation. In India, there is still slavery, okay? Government will say all kind of junk, but there is still slavery, okay? But the word slave actually comes from the word Slav. And Slavs are not a white-skinned people. Slavs. The first slaves, if you check history, were the white-skinned. 
then the black skinned, then the brown, then everybody became slaves, one way or other. Okay? But in Africa, if you know the stories about how the tribal chieftains would sell their own people to the white man, sometimes 20 slaves were given for a mirror which they had never seen. Are you seeing it? Look at now in real, real terms. The African chieftain has never seen a mirror. The white man is using the mirror and he says, for the mirror, how many souls will you give me? He says, 20. They bargain and come down to 20. For 20 slaves, he gets a mirror. Now, for this chieftain, who has never seen a mirror, he is fascinated and he doesn't understand it is worthless. And he's willing to give 20 of his own kind for a mirror. Okay, because he doesn't understand value. In the same way, even today, young ones especially, are trading their souls for trinkets. Trading their souls. Many of the young people of today are already gone. Their souls are gone. To get them back, God will have to work a mighty deliverance. They're gone to addiction, to dope, to alcohol, to sex, to um, things on TV, on the internet, on the gag. They're gone. The souls are gone. They're zombies. They just function. They're like what we call about alcoholic. They're just functional addicts. They're addicts. They function. But the souls are gone. They've been sold. And the purpose of the gospel is to set captives free. That's why you can see people here, 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 but no change is happening. Because for change to happen, it has to happen here. But if the soul is captive, what's the point? The devil and the world system he has created is after the souls of men. In Ezekiel 13 and verse 18, scripture says, Thus says the Lord, Woe to the women who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make wails for the heads of people of every height to hunt souls. Will you hunt the souls of me by people and keep yourself alive? All kind of things happening. We are not getting into that words. Okay. Micah 7 and verse 2. The faithful man has perished from the earth and there is no one upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. Every man hunts his brother with a net. What are they hunting? They are not hunting animals. Hunting souls. Men have become hunters of souls. Nahum and verse chapter 3 and verse 4. Because of the multitude of harlotries of seductive harlot, the mistress of sorceries who sells nations through her harlotries and families through her sorceries. Nations and families have been sold to the devil through witchcraft. This nation especially. Been gone for centuries and centuries. That's why you need to realize that why is this nation not able to even come out? It's because of the power of sorcery over this nation. Power of sorcery. Without the power, the resurrection power of Christ, we are powerless against the spiritual powers of darkness who are soul hunters, who are soul traders. And they also join together with wicked men and women and indulge in soul trade. 
And in the end, he takes them all down to hell. That's why God says, beware of the sorcery of Babylon. That's why God says, do not love anything in the world. Don't love anything in the world. Friendship with this world is enmity with God. God says, whatever you need, I will give you. And when I give you, you know it's a perfect and a good thing from above. It never leads you into bondage. Never leads you into bondage. You are never in addiction or in bondage to anything. In anything. While the devil uses the things of the world to trap people. Different things. It may look innocent in the beginning. It could be deadly in the end. Therefore, the warnings in the Bible have come. Let's look at a few warnings. Joel chapter 3 and verse 3. They have cast lots for my people and have given a boy as a payment for a harlot and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. He's talking about Israel. He's talking about Pherophiles. The man wants a harlot, he sells his son. The other fellow wants alcohol, he sells his daughter. Come to the point, degradation of society. Souls are gone. That boy is gone, that girl is gone. Amos 2.6 Thus says the Lord, for three transgression of Israel and four I will not turn away its punishment because they sell the righteous for silver. Sell the righteous for silver. There is not a single meeting outside this church when I take where people don't come and say, Pastor, please pray for my court case. It is mine. I have all the purpose, but you never get justice. Why? Why shouldn't it be their justice? Because at every level of the justice system, the righteous have been sold for silver. They've been sold. The inheritance has been sold. There's nothing you can do in this Babylonian system. There's nothing you can do. That is why there is a day kept for God for righteous judgment. They sell the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals. Trafficker of souls. That's what God is talking about. So many struggle with following Christ because their souls are caged. The souls are caged. Okay, understand that. It's not that you don't hear the gospel. The thing is that our souls, we are like a bird sitting in a cage. Are you alive? Yes. Can you sing? Yes. Can you fly? Yes. But do you fly? No. Why? There are bars all around. If our soul is caged, there is not much we can do spiritually. So how do we End up. How does our souls end up like this? Many ways. One of the ways is self. Isaiah 50 and verse 1. Thus, okay. Thus says the Lord, where is the certificate of your mother's divorce whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? For your iniquities you have sold yourself and for your transgressions your mother has been put away. He says, you sold yourself away. You sold yourself away. One of the ways that we sell ourselves. We have the knowledge of truth. We know what is right and wrong. Little at least we know. But we choose wrong. He says, you sold yourself. 
In Isaiah 52 and verse 3, For thus is the Lord, you have sold yourself for nothing. Did that give you any lasting joy? Temporary pleasure. Temporary. Did it last? No. Now what are you like? You are like the dope addict. You are an addict now. You need that shot. Unless you don't have the shot, you cannot survive. But it is now actually killing you. You are dying. But you cannot survive it. That's what the devil does. He says, you sold yourself for nothing. Sold yourself for nothing. You're gone. I'm telling you honestly, little things it may see. I've, I've, I've seen, I've heard personally of the thing is that what is interesting is their age. You hear about a man who is in his late 80s. He's in the ICU on the machine. He's dying. Then he gets a fresh lease of life a few more days. He's discharged and he comes home. And what is he doing? What does his family say? He's sitting before the TV watching X-rated movies. Because that's all he can do. Because his soul has been sold to it for years. And he dies that way. Another man you see, he's lying there in a coma in the hospital bed. He's in a coma. His eyes are closed. There are tubes in, but his hands move. If you look at his hands, what is his hands doing? It's a caged soul. And you sold yourself for nothing. I've seen it with my eyes. Sold yourself for nothing. Many of our young people in this 21st century, when they grow old or when they are dying, they'll be dying like this. Sold. Sold. If it wasn't so tragic, it would be funny, but it's not funny. Because that same thing can kill you, like cocaine can kill you. The devil will use anything to get souls. And in the process, what you do, you become a liar, you become a cheat, you lie to your parents, you lie to your elders, you lie to your government, you do everything for that pleasure. It is not that. Ultimately, to get that, what you do. Sold your soul. It's gone. Understand the danger of what God is talking about. You sold yourself for nothing and you shall be redeemed without money. Your redemption cannot be bought with money. When you are redeemed, you will be redeemed without money by the blood of God's only son. You will be redeemed. It's no other way. Deliverance can take place. Absolutely impossible. Nobody else can redeem you. So we can sell ourselves like this. Like the tribal chieftains who sold their own tribe for a piece of mirror. You can sell yourself and go into bondage. So one of the ways we go into be partaker of this trade is by selling ourselves. Second way is parents. Parents knowingly or unknowingly make vows to false gods. False gods. There's only one God. He's got only one son. There's only one name. 
and his name is Jesus. There is no other name. Even Christians do the stupid things of offering their children. Oh, my child is hopeless. Let me give it to St. Jude. Jude is not a saint. There's a demon behind him. Behind every idol, the Bible says there is a demon. And you have offered your child to him. Now your child is in his power. And as long as the child serves him, he or she is fine. Otherwise, he will become really helpless. Christians, they do all kinds of things. When they come to and things are not happening, they run to the astrologer, the Muslim guy, everywhere. I'll go. The children are gone. You may get a sudden relief. But the problem is, where did your relief come from? Because the relief came from a demon which was put in control of the soul of that child. And the demon now takes over and acts good. Ignorance of parents knowing unknowingly. Understand that. Understand how the system of the devil works. Then in the devil's kingdom, everything you need to understand, there needs to be power. If there is no power, then uh, people will not go to that man or a wizard or which, what witch or whatever you want to call the astrologer. If there is no power. But how did he get its power? The devil doesn't give power for anything. Just like that. To even to Jesus, he said, I will give you power on one condition. I know who you are. You are the son of God. So you don't have to do anything for power. But I will give you all my power if you will worship me. I want your worship. You just have to worship me. But it doesn't work with others. If Peter wants power, and he's serious about that, he wants power, he'll say, okay, I will give you power. Get me 50 souls. Get me 50 souls. You want more power? 100 souls. Get me 100 souls. That's how their power increase. They get souls. Understand this. In the enemy's camp, you get more power if you get more souls. I'll tell you strange things. Almost all the universities in the world, big ones, well-known ones and other ones, If you want to be a top-notch prof, you have to be intellectually really good. But it is not the intellect of God. It is the wisdom of this world which the book of James says it is demonic. Okay? So for them to receive that wisdom, they have made a deal. They are part of secret societies. And if you want more and more wisdom, you need to get your children, your students into the circle. Check the universities and see how these young ones came to this university as simple, rural, innocent ones. Six months later, they are gone. They don't even go back home. Check what happens. Traffickers of souls. And we are fasting and praying and asking the pastor, please pray my son, my daughter will go to that university. 
Really? That's what you want? That's why we pray, let your will be done, Lord. Because power in the enemy's camp is guaranteed only if you bring souls. He is interested in human souls because he knows God loves us. Be very careful and everything in this world is through trafficking. It's through trafficking. You want to go into Hollywood or Bollywood, you want to rise up in music or acting or anything, it's connected with souls. Without that, it will not work. It will not work. You read, you understand, you find out about these people. In real life, they are one thing. In screen life, they are anything else. When they come to acting, another power comes upon him and they are a different thing. They sing like an angel. It's not normal. It is not natural. In return, they have made a deal. That's what the children are. You look at the most powerful, incredible message on salvation. You look at it. 250 people have listened. You look at one stupid song of Justin Bieber, 300 million. You think it's normal? It's not normal, it's paranormal. Trafficking in souls. And every time you watch, your soul is being caged in. Because there is occult in it. That's why, you know, even here, many sitting young people sitting over there have heard the word. They could have made them into Samuels and Moseses in their lifetime. But it makes no difference to them because behind your backs, their souls are already caged. Because in nine years, some of the young ones who have sat here have heard more of the word than most of the pastors in the city. But it is of no effect to them because the souls are gone. Unless there is deliverance and you want deliverance. The problem is the devil does not offer you something which your flesh does not enjoy. Now we are an addict for the pleasure. And unless you are come to a point where you are sick and miserable, deliverance won't happen. Even it happens here in the house of God, when you go out, it will come back to you because he knows you want him back. That's why the prodigal son's story, he has to reach there, he has come to the end of himself, he has to be so miserable, he has to rise up, then there is deliverance. Otherwise, this generation is not going to be delivered. They have to come and we have to allow them to go to that point and never stop praying. Understand how Babylon operates. Babylon operates. This is how Babylon operates. How people are captivated by their eyes and their ears. It's not that you cannot listen. It is not that you cannot watch. It is not that you cannot read. Have you noticed? The only things you cannot listen is to the word. The only thing you cannot watch is a Christian program. The only thing that you are not able to consistently listen is to genuine Christian music. Everything else you are able to watch here. There's no issue. Why? Sorcery. Sorcery. So you can sell yourselves. Your parents can sell by mistake, ignorance, unknowingly. Or the people who have agreed with the devil to bring in souls, whose so subtlety has bought your souls. And 
another way false preachers scripture says the servants of the devil goes as servants of righteousness what do they preach they preach success and prosperity without repentance and holiness it's not what they preach is wrong what they do not preach along with it is what it makes it wrong and because we have no discernment when it coming to the word of god though we have incredibly discernment when it comes to the things of the world the things of the flesh like if i call you to my house for breakfast and i give you sambar and chutney and chai you will still wait you will be wondering where is the dosa coming right because you very know very well the chutney and the sambar goes with the dosa but because we do not have spiritual discernment we never understand the kingdom of god is never preached without repentance and they preach it consistently week after week after week after week month after month and people don't discern why doesn't this guy talk about repentance why doesn't this guy talk about sanctification why doesn't this guy talk about pursuing god and holiness only thing he talks is prosperity and success they teach people how to make money and not how to make it to heaven when they give altar calls where there is no preaching of repentance and forsaking when they give altar calls people rush in and they pray over them and their very prayers become bondage for them understand that's why god is warning paul through Paul to Timothy do not be hasty in the laying of hands be careful who lays hands upon you be careful because many of them are servants of the devil preaching of course with clerical callers and the bible says so they equate spirituality with personal possessions they will preach god's love and kindness but never about god's judgment while the bible talks more about god's judgment and tells you to rely on god's kindness to escape his judgment it's very balanced the bible is very balanced romans 11 and verse 22 scripture says therefore consider the goodness and the severity of god consider both the goodness and the severity of god on those who fell severity but toward you goodness if you continue his in goodness otherwise you also will be cut off Now just think about it. Is he going to take a human soul into heaven onto the soul 15 demons are clinging on? No, he's not. He's not. Is he going to take a so-called Christian who is in sin and loves his sin and when he dies I'm going to heaven? God says no way. That's not going to happen. My place is a holy place for a prepared people. But how they have fooled us and people sit there without realizing this is not going to happen they don't even realize they are peddlers of human souls have you noticed how difficult it is to pull people away from those churches i've watched man 15000 in that church you listen to the word it is like 15 minutes of the word and there is nothing in that word 
And how are these people captivated to this 15 minute word which is like tasteless? There's nothing in that word. How are they captivated? Sorcery. One day when Jesus comes and everything is revealed, you will see many of these men and women were members of secret societies. It had nothing to do with Christ. It had everything to do with the devil. Blessed are those whose eyes are opened now. Because that's from where they received their power. And take them into bondage. Beware. You can sell yourself. You can be sold by your parents or grandparents or great-grandparents by some oath that took place. And only Christ can. Like our young pastor in Bhutan. He comes from a Sherpa family from Nepal. And there was a, a tradition in his family because of some oath some great-grandfather, great-grandfather had made. Every firstborn child in the family dies. How did it happen? Some great-grandfather in the family took the child and offered it to the deity and says, here I give it to you. Every firstborn in the family will belong to you. Did God say that? But did he mean that he wants the firstborn dead? No, he says he should serve me. But the demons doesn't want you to just serve you. Sometimes they want your life. So every firstborn died. And then this boy is born. Firstborn in the family. When he is born a little child, he's got a major heart issue. Everybody said, this child won't survive, he will die. Then the parents heard, near the embassy, in a house, there is a church that gathers. There God heals. So the father and mother, Buddhists, came to the church and said, we don't understand, but if your God will heal our son, we will give our son to your God. Today he is the pastor. That, when they did that, that time, a set of doctors from CMC Wellore had come. They checked the boy and they said, this boy needs open heart surgery. Within a week, the money was raised. Out of nowhere, the money came on concession, 50,000 rupees. The father is a simple poor man. Wife, mother is a ayah. Father is a gardener. Mother is... Uh, works in houses as a maid servant. The money came. The boy had his surgery. If you see him today, you will see the whole scar. He's serving the Lord today. Wonderful. And now his father got saved. His mother got saved. His sister got saved. His brother got saved. The whole household is saved and baptized. But it had to be broken only by our God. Nobody else can break it. So understand this. There is reality in this. And be careful to whom you lend your ears. Have discernment. Listen to what they are preaching. That's why scripture says, test the spirits. Different ways your soul can go. Another strange way. Hebrews 13, verse 2. Do not forget to entertain strangers for by so doing, doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Like Abraham. Abraham entertained three strangers and they happened to be angels and one happened to be the Lord. Okay, let me tell you. But ask God for discernment because some of the strangers are not angels. They are fallen angels. They come and visit and partake with you in your house and your house is gone. They do. They do. They do. 
there are places i'm not mentioning names on this but i know people i know people have i witnessed all this stuff there are places where there is a monastery and there is a room and you will see in the morning footsteps going into the room and you will see the footsteps are all there is blood in the footsteps then you follow the footsteps you go to the village you will see somebody has died in the village and you open the room there is nothing in the room just the deity they come this nation are are on 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 it power of occult okay that's why in places like this india and all nobody has to convince them powers of darkness exist they say yeah we know you know we saw them every day we have movies and we put 3d glasses and what kutti chatan what does that mean small demon remember that movie it was made in the hindi also what was it called in hindi a chota chatan nobody thinks it has a fantasy they know it is real astrologers know it if you are a genuine born again spiritual child of god you are passing by he will look at you then you if you say amare pas matana sar chalo they know these are not jokes these are serious okay they too take human form and walk around looking for souls many have dealt with them without realizing what they were dealing with i don't want to get into details because there are young people here and they will get scared okay you can have sex with demons from the medieval times that is part of it study understand where power comes from and all these secret rituals there is one two things that is common one is blood second is sex two things that happen even till today it happens in all these rituals the demons come into the body of these people and then they have sex and the sex is at a different level because of the demons by the time you go back you don't belong to anybody you belong to them be careful whenever people come and say come to this meeting it's a very special meeting it takes place at night in this place and all run run for your life run for your life don't drink anything from outside which is not in a sealed bottle because they put stuff into this and then take you be careful not kidding Washington DC capital of United States of America check the records each year how many under 18 teenagers or below that have disappeared and never come back at least 800,000 to a million disappear government records where do they go where do they go how many in the city gone never traced living in a reality and this is the power given to the church to set the captives free understand different ways it happens those in religion 
not faith in religion. You need to realize, religion has to have power. If there is no power, people will not follow religion. There has to be power. Imagine a form of Christianity. You look at the scripture and you see everything God says and talks about idolatry, condemns idolatry and should have no idolatry at all. And how come tens and thousands of so-called Christians are following and dancing after an idol of some Christian saint which is being carried? How do they follow? Sorcery. Jumping, dancing, singing, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. How does it happen? Because there is power in religion, but not it's not the power of God. If there is no power, people will not follow religion. But God's power only comes through the Holy Spirit. So to receive and to continue, there has to be a pursuit of both God and His holiness. And that's the song we sang today. What Israel began with the power of God, How Israel began with that incredible power of God which destroyed all the power of all the gods of Egypt. How does it end? God shows us before God leaves. Literally, visibly leaves Israel and goes away in the book of Ezekiel. He shows Ezekiel and see what has happened to the leaders and the priests of Israel. He says, watch in Ezekiel 8. Verses 3 onwards. He stretched out the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my hair and the spirit lifted me up between the earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem. He just picked him by the hair and took him. To the door, to Jerusalem, to the door of the north gate of the inner court where the seat of the image of jealousy was. Where is this? The temple in Jerusalem to the north gate and he showed him, do you see? What is the idol they have put in my temple? Who? The leaders, the priests. Which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there, like the vision that I saw in the plain. Then he said to me, Son of man, lift your eyes now towards the north. So I lifted my eyes toward the north. And there, north of the altar gate, was this image of jealousy in the entrance. These guys cannot get any power from God anymore, but they want power anyway to keep the people captive. So they said, you want power? We'll give you power. Do one thing. In the temple of your God, put my image. I said, okay. You'll give, give us power? Yes. So they put that image which is provoking the living God. It is there and he sees, oh, I never saw this before. He said, yeah, you won't see. It's hidden from the eyes of the people. It is only known to the leaders. It's there. Furthermore, he said, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commits here to make me go far away from my sanctuary? Do you know what they are doing so that I go as far as possible from my sanctuary so they can receive power through the devil and captivate the people? He says, Turn again, you will see greater abominations. He says, I can show you Ezekiel. So he brought me to the door of the court and when I looked, there was a hole in the wall. This is the inner sanctuary where ordinary people cannot enter. Only priests and Levites can go in there. He said, son of man, dig into the wall. And I dug into the wall and there was a door. And he said to me, go in and see the wicked abominations which they are doing there. So I went in and saw and there every sort of creeping thing, abominable beast, all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed all around the walls. Where ordinary population was not allowed, where only the priests could go in and imagine, none of you are allowed into this place. 
Only Pastor Vijay and I are allowed in. Nobody has access. The keys are with us. What if? And you see us there and crying and weeping and everything else. Wow, Pastor James and Vijay are crying out to the Lord in prayer and then they come and minister to us. You are all very happy. And you go. One day, supposing we left the door open, forgot to close it. And when you go in and you see the whole walls are reptiles and other gods and it is before them, I am crying. And then coming to preaching to you in the name of Yahweh. What will you think? What will you think? Ezekiel is being shown. Ezekiel, you are my servant and I am showing you why I am leaving Israel. Because you don't know what these leaders do. See. This is what they do. Abomination. Beast. Portrayed all around on the walls. And there stood before them 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel. The 70, the Sanhedrin. This other set of people a few generations later will say, Jesus has to be crucified. And in their midst stood Jezaniah, the son of Shaphan. Each man had a censer in his hand. A thick cloud of incense went up. Have you seen video? Don't. Sometimes because of these young people sitting over here, because I don't know what they will watch. You have to see. I've seen on video secret shots of the secret meetings that take place. It's still like that. They're all dressed in black. Faces are not visible with the incense chanting. Chanting, chanting for power to come. Thick cloud of incense went up and he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the room of his idols, for they say, the Lord does not see us, the Lord has forsaken the land. And he said to me, turn again, you will see even greater abominations they are doing. He brought me the door of the north gate of the Lord's house and to my dismay, women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. Babylonian God, goddess. Now the women are weeping for this Babylonian goddess. Then he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? Turn again, you will see greater abominations than this. So he brought me to the inner court of the Lord's house and there at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs towards the temple of the Lord. Where are their backs? To the back to the temple of the Lord and their faces towards the east and they were worshipping the sun. How did Israel begin when the tabernacle? The backs to the east and they worshipped God. Israel ends with their backs to God and worshipping the sun. This is the story of Israel. This is the story of the church. That's what God is talking about. Because without power, you cannot hold people in bondage. But if your heart's desire is not to hold people in bondage, but to see them be set free, you will always let people go and cling to God. Cling to God. So there were these prophets called Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and all, who were all killed by these wicked men. Because they spoke the truth, which would set the people free. Different ways soul goes into captivity. Different ways. Understand church, this is the reality. And if we are not willing to have a clean break, thing is that 
when the battle is going to get really, really tough, will we have the struggle, strength to come out. Another way, Mammon, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or else you'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve Lord and Mammon. The devil will give you money as long as you don't walk under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Do you want money? That's why demonetization is not the problem. Demonization is the problem. It is over money. Why are all the brides burned in India? Because of? Because of? Money. You marry a girl, then you start harassing her for dowry, and when she doesn't give, you have a dowry death. What is it all about? Money. Can you imagine? That a man and his in-laws all get together and burn a bride whom you got married in supposedly a holy ceremony because she didn't bring more money? Of course, you can call it Bahubali. Understand the power of money, how the devil offers money. Why do people want money? Why do people want money? Ask yourself. Luke 12, verse 20. God said, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things which you have provided? They had so much. And he says, oh, I got so much. I need to build bigger barns. God said, you fool. You slave of mammon. Your soul has been already sold to mammon. Why do one people want money? You have to ask this question. Why do people want money? You can have only two things. I'm not saying you cannot have money. But you cannot have the lordship of Jesus Christ and then have money controlling your life. You can have only one of these two. If money controls your life, then the lordship of Jesus Christ goes. Because you don't need Jesus for most things in your life. Which is true. In this world with money, you can do lots of things. And God in his mercy doesn't give Christians, most Christians, too much money. Because he knows they will never come back. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 8 to 10. Scripture says, having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But people are not. Because they don't have, along with this, Lord give me food, clothing and money. And if you don't give me food and clothing also, it is okay, give me money. Because I don't like the clothes you provide me. I like tight ones. And I don't like the food you give me. Because I have found everything you said in your word, don't eat, they are the tastiest. I have experienced that joy, Lord. God said, don't eat pig. It's very tasty. God said, don't eat prawns. It's very tasty. God said, don't eat shrimp. It's very tasty. God said, don't eat fish without scales. It's very tasty. So Lord, please don't provide me food. Give me money. That's what scripture says. They were tired of the manna. Was there anything wrong with manna? Yes. There's only one thing wrong with manna. What was the problem? It was tasteless. What was the problem with manna? It was tasteless. After some time, they got tired of manna. Though manna was very good for them. So God says, remember, your soul goes into captivity through mammon. Mammon. 
That's why sometimes you have to Google search and look at the ancient pictures or the pictures that have come out of earthquake scenes like the last days of Pompeii and all Pompeii was a city in Rome in Italy which was destroyed centuries ago by earthquake and everybody died, almost everybody died. And you can see when they are excavating and they see these skeletons and in one of the pictures of the skeletons is she could have escaped because in the last moment she went for a pearl necklace and dies like this. Like Lord's wife, looked back. Many, many, many excavations like that. God says, beware, beware. Seventh one, I'm just giving you a few soul ties. That is his strategy of the enemy. Remember, out of all this, Christ delivers, if you are interested in deliverance. Strategy of the enemy. Okay. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 to 20. Three marital sex or extramarital sex. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two he says shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who comes in sexual immorality sins against his own body. Every other sin, you do it outside your body. But this one, God says, you know what happens? Transference takes place. Transference takes place. If you have sex with a prostitute, you are not having sex with a prostitute, you are having sex with her sexual history. There are demons that will flow into you from every partner she had from life. You are in bondage. Understand that. It's not a joke. God is very serious about these things. It flows. Demonic transference takes place back and forth. God says, be careful, be wise, be watchful. Be, take these warnings because these things, if you don't repent and forsake and the blood of Jesus delivers you and if it doesn't happen, will take you to hell. will take you to hell. Very clear. Another thing. Use of personal possessions. You know what it means? When you are getting rid of your things, be careful how and where you get rid of your things. Because those who are in witchcraft and occult, they want your personal possessions. They will want a little of your hair. They, if you ever, I mean in, in your apartments it doesn't take place, but if you ever see your underclothes are missing from the washing line, they have taken it for the occult to see that you fall into sexual immorality. They will use these personal possessions during their occult and start calling on demons to come upon these people. And they target Christians because they know whom the Lord loves. is the battle we are fighting. 
you understand the nature of the battle, you will realize you hardly have any time left but to pray. And put a hedge of protection around God's people. Understand what salvation means. It is the redemption of our souls. And one continent which is very famous for this is Africa. Full witchcraft left, right. That's little country called Haiti and all. All voodoo. They say 90% Catholic and 100% voodoo. If you have doubts, check with people who have gone to Haiti and ask them what happens when you walk through the streets inside. Everybody is sitting with rooster and blood and casting spells on you. Come here, come here. Out in the public. Here they do, but secretly. Not so much in public. You are fighting a battle with powers of darkness. This is not to scare us, but to stay under the blood. Stay under the blood. The power of God. That's why Jesus, first thing he comes and tells his disciples, all power and authority has been given to me. Go in my name and baptize people. Baptize them. Because once they are baptized, genuinely saved and baptized, these powers have no power over them. Make disciples of all nations. That's a mission call. Don't worry about them. That's why God says in Romans 12 and verse 1. 12. I beseech you brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice daily. Why? Because the devil uses the world and all the systems of the world and the witch doctors and the wizards and the dark and everything in the world to get into your flesh through your body. So God says, first thing I want is surrender your body to me as a living sacrifice daily. So that when you go, you will be like me. The ruler of this world has come, but he found nothing in me. Why? Because he's after our soul. That's why Jesus prayed those fervent prayers. With tears and loud wailings when he was in the days of the flesh. The prayers he prayed. In James 1, 26 and 27, James will warn us and says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not burdle his tongue, he deceives his own heart because this one's religion is useless. Are you religious? When first thing put a sock in your mouth. Because that's how you open doors for them to take your souls. Be careful about what you say and what you don't say. Be very careful about what you say. Put a tight rein. Why? Because he says the devil will use his tactics to provoke you. To provoke, either he will use consistently to tempt you to fall into a temptation or provoke you to react in the flesh. That's why Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Give no place to the devil. How do you give place to the devil? Because in your anger you open your mouth and say stuff. And the devil has taken over. It's taken over. 
And in the process, what you say, relationship broken after relationship broken after relationship broken. But at the end of it, what the, the issue was not big, but what you said has become big. The issue could have been easily resolved. It was a small little issue. But you said something. What you said now is bigger than the issue. He took you captive. He says, be careful. Don't give place to the devil. So James says, put a tight rein on your tongue. Be careful about what you say. Because with our own words, we go into captivity. Isn't that what Proverbs 18.21 says? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's in the power of the tongue. Where is it? Death. How do we choose death? With our words. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Either death or life. You choose it with your words. So God says be very careful. That's one of the reasons God gives you the gift of tongues. So that you can cancel out all the junk you have said. And if you had understanding, you would never say that. So God gives you tongues and doesn't give you understanding. Because he says, if I give you understanding, you will say, oh, that is what I said, that is what I did. No, I don't want to confess it. He says, good, I will confess it through you. A lot of people will come and say, can you give the interpretation of my tongues? No, you don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. And have you always noticed these fake ones? Whenever they interpret your tongues, they will say, ha ha, sister, ha brother, you're glorifying God. The fellow who's sitting in the church, speaking in tongues, who slept with the harlot last night, when he speaks in tongues, they are saying, you're glorifying God. Because he never got the interpretation. If he got the interpretation, he would have said that man is saying, Lord have mercy on me, mercy on me, I know what I did, now your spirit is convicting me. understand how scripture works. Their own words, we go into captivity. We go into the world and we are taken captive. We don't have to sell ourselves to sell slave traders for the fleeting pleasures of Egypt. Remember, though Israel was physically liberated from the Pharaoh and the bondage of Egypt for 40 years they were not free men because their souls were captive in Egypt. Their bodies are free. They are walking in the wilderness. They have a cloud above their head. They have the spirit of God leading them as a cloud has fire. They have fresh water. They have manna. But in their hearts they will always say it was better in Egypt. Better in Egypt. Better in Egypt. Better. Is that how you feel? As you go through this Christian walk, do you keep believing that it was better before I got saved? It was better in those days when I was in college and did not know the Lord. How great fun I had. Because your soul is captive. I haven't experienced the liberty that Jesus brings. And scripture says, taste and see. That the Lord is good. He's sweeter than the honey in the rock. This is boring. Anything Christian I have to suffer through. Is that how your soul feels? Because our soul, watch out. Check your mind. 
check our minds. Is it forever wandering while sitting in the church also wandering in the world? Wandering. Either cares, dissipation, anxieties or pleasures. Jesus talks about all this. Where is it wandering? Are you always in debt? Because you can never control your spending. And it doesn't matter how much you make, 20,000 or 2 lakhs. At the end of the month, you have no money. Do you realize your soul is caged? You are in the hand of the enemy. Jesus had no money with him and he was never in debt. The apostles had no money. That's the first statement they make and they had no debt. You may not believe, but let me tell you, whether you believe and I believe or not, we are involved in a battle every day of our life. There is a raging battle that is going on day and night between two opposing forces. It will stop only when Jesus steps down on the Mount of Olives. Till then it continues every day. It's a battle between good and evil. It's a battle between light and darkness. It's a battle actually for the souls of men and women and children. Some of these battles begin in your mother's womb itself. This battle begins. You do, you are just an embryo floating around in the womb of your mother and Rebecca is upset and says, what's happening? This is not gas. And she goes and asks the Lord, God said, there's a battle in your womb. They're fighting for destiny. The battle has begun in the womb. Sometimes it begins after the womb. But there is this battle in which we are all. All. As soon as they are born, the battle begins. You cannot escape it, whether you believe it or not. Everyone, there is a battle in you and over you. Because you are a soul. There's no battle over the dogs on the street. No battle over the cows. The Indian government makes a battle over the cows, but there is no battle. They use cows to make a battle over the souls of men. If you go to other countries, they use pigs to battle over the souls of men. But there is no battle actually over these animals. Battle is over souls of men. And it's a battle unto death. And it can be won only if we are obedient to God unto death. That is why Jesus, the first time he enters into a synagogue, publicly in the ministry, the first thing he says in Luke 4 and verse 18 is this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. All captives of the enemy. And a whole set of people sitting in the synagogue, all religious people, all captive of the enemy, when he said the scripture has been fulfilled today in your presence, they were so angry, they wanted to kill him. Do you see? 
They took him and they almost pushed him from the top of a mountain. He just walked through and walked away. They were so mad because they were all captives. That's why I said, unless you hunger and thirst for your liberty, you will not want liberty. You won't. Because there is pleasure in sin. There is. If when you get angry at somebody and you didn't get a vicarious pleasure in your flesh, nobody would be angry. Every time you got angry, if you threw up seven times and you were sick for two days, one time you'll be angry, after that you'll be careful. Nothing like that. You feel so good. I gave it. I gave it. There's pleasure in it. Understand, there is pleasure. Until we are sick and tired of it. God won't deliver us. And even if he delivers us, by the time we go out, it jumps back in. It comes back. It's one thing to be delivered. It's another to walk in our deliverance. Understand one thing. The devil's success with people depends upon two things. One is darkness. The other is ignorance. One is darkness. And the other is ignorance. We know scripture. Ephesians 6.11 and all. We know scripture very well. Scripture says... Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Let me ask you, why do you want to put armor if there is no battle? Why does scripture tell you to put on armor if it is not a daily battle? So there is a daily battle. And God says, be prepared for it. And he says, know this, whether we understood it or not, believe it or not, he says, this is the truth. In Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 3, scripture says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. He says, when you believed, I made you alive. In which you once walked. In what? In trespasses and sins in which I once walked according to the course of this world. This world has its own natural course. I walked in that course. According to the prince of the power of the air. Prince of the power of the who controls the airwaves? But without the airwaves, can you hear, see, know anything? No. He controls the medium. He controls the medium. That's why God doesn't use the airwaves. When God speaks, He speaks to your spirit for which He doesn't need air. He bypasses the air and speaks right into your spirit and you know God has spoken. He uses and He doesn't need. He's not dependent upon air. The devil is called the spirit, the prince of the power of the air. And who controls the air mediums? Everything, radio, internet, whatever you want to talk about, it all is controlled by him. But God says, I am spirit. And you are now spirit. I'll speak to you. A day and hour is coming where true worshippers will arise who will worship God in spirit and in truth. Who now, the spirit, who now works in the sons of disobedience. Are you a son, a daughter of disobedience? God says, the spirit is working in you. That's why scripture says, pray without ceasing. Because prayer is warfare. As long as Moses' hands were up in prayer, the battle was being won. Fasting, the sole purpose of fasting is to weaken the flesh. 
These are not rituals. These are not these 40 day events. These are tools God has given to break the powers of darkness. But when you use it as a religious tool, 40 days you fast, 40, 41st day you are drunk. What was that? A joke, spiritual joke. Now we are very religious. Every year when that 40 days comes, ah. I used to see that in the days when I was young in Kerala. Because my town is one of the towns through which you have to go to that temple, you know, where people were all black and black, the temple. I'm not mentioning it publicly, you know that, no? When they are going to the temple, all the samis, when they are, because they have a vratam, no, no sex, no women, no this thing, no wine, everything. Okay, so they're going, when they are coming, at every girl on the road, because vratam is over. We are no better. 40 days Lent, the day before the 40 begins and the day after the 40 begins, wow, liberation. That's not what fasting was meant for. It was not what prayer was meant for. These are tools to fight the powers of darkness. Instead, the devil has taken these two tools in the kingdom and has made a joke in Christendom. Let's see. Oh, understand. Learn to pray. Learn to fast. Because if you put these two together, they are a deadly combination against the powers of darkness. Learn to pray. In the Old Testament, understand, New Covenant, understand, when they came after Elijah, who said, who sent you? The king, fire down, 50 men gone. Another 50 came. What did he come for? For you. Fire down, 50 gone. Others said, please have mercy, Lord, mercy. Okay. Today you need to call down fire. But you don't call down fire on flesh and blood. You call fire down on powers of darkness. But you need to know how to do it. Once you call fire down on powers of darkness, if there are flesh and blood intertwined with them, they will perish. But you are not responsible for that. Church still calls down fire. Not on flesh and blood, but flesh and blood perish when you call fire because their souls were yoked with the powers of darkness upon whom you called fire down. That is power. God has given power to the church. So prepare and be ready for battle. That's why Second Corinthians 10, 3 and 4 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We don't war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are carnal. They are mighty in God. Mighty, 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 mighty in God. Mighty. Shall I give you one mighty weapon in God? Because it won't look mighty at all. And even when I tell you, your flesh will like, Pastor, doesn't look so tasty. Flesh, I didn't say spirit. I'll give you a mighty weapon. Psalm 51 verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. What is that God will not despise? A broken and a contrite spirit. Now we have heard it so much. Who really sitting here wants a broken and a contrite spirit? Nah, it's a mighty weapon. 
God says that you will not despise. So if he says this you will not despise, that also means there are other things which he despises. Proverbs 1.28 Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Why? Because he said, I despise them. They are neither broken, nor are they contrite. Psalm 34.18 The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as a contrite spirit. Most of the hardships, if, if not 100% of them are allowed by God into the lives of believers hoping these things will break you and me. Necessarily should, won't break us. But the purpose of it is that through it all will become broken and contrived so that he can be near to us. When he is near to us, Ephesians 1, 6, 10 is a real spiritual. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How does it happen? It happens through a broken and a contrite heart. Have you seen broken people can handle any pressure? World is strong, six feet, seven inch Goliaths crumble under one stone. The fellow who brought him down, we last year after year after biting one battle after another battle after another winning battles. Why? Because there is power in this. I used to, years back in this church, I used this illustration. Two horses. I showed them a picture of a stallion. You know this stallion, this mighty horse. The Marlboro man and all, you know, the stallion on this field with its mane all flying and you look at it, it looks so elegant, so powerful. It's the epitome of masculinity and power and strength and all that. Then you see another horse on which a cowboy is sitting. Then I used to ask this trick question. Of these two, if they were to race, which will run faster and reach the target first? Everybody said the stallion. But the answer is not the stallion, but the one on which the cowboy is sitting. What's the difference between these two horses? In English you have the term. The difference between the two horses is on which a man can ride is the horse that is broken. A broken and a contrite spirit is a soul that has been tamed by the spirit of God. He can ride and do great things through you. That's what it means. That's what it means. He has tamed your soul. Soul has been tamed by you. And you know, my life is in its control. You tell me go, I will go. Go here, go here. Serve there, serve there. No issues, Lord. I am tamed. David? Yes, Papa. Your brothers have been in the battlefield for so many days. Why don't you go and check them out? Dara, you don't you realize wasn't in your presence that our prophet Samuel anointed me? And you want me to go check on my brothers? My brother should be checking on me because I'm the anointed one now. Did he say anything like that? Scripture records, you read scripture carefully, records 40 days and 40 nights. Scripture says morning and evening. 40 days and 40 evenings. 40. Goliath used to come and challenge. When David reaches the battlefield, 
Goliath has come and challenged again. And I believe it was the 40th evening when he raised. This man who is broken and contrite in the spirit, tamed by God, looks at that man and says, Who is that uncircised Philistine that he dare defy the armies of the living God? When the entire army of Israel is trembling in fear, this little boy stands up and says, Who is this fellow? I will fight him. Forty is symbolic in God's kingdom. Every 50 years is the jubilee when the prisoners are set free. 40 into 50 is 2,000 years. At the end of 2,000 years, a set of Davids will arise who are broken and contrite and God will use them to set the last set of captives free and then he will come. That's the purpose of your and my life, that captives will be set free through us. But unless we are free, cannot set others free. So I and you should be looking for freedom first from the bondage of the enemy. And not to go back into bondage from where God has already set us free. That is the sorcery of this land. That is the sorcery of Babylon. The sorcery of this world. We go back with this set of people. God can do mighty things. With 120 men and women, he turned the world upside down. Because they were broken and they were contrite. Their souls were tamed by God. They stood like one on the day of Pentecost. And one man spoke. 50 days ago, where were you, O man? Trembling in fear. I left my savior. I ran away from him. I hid in Pilate's court. I told three people, including a servant girl, I don't know him. Who is this man? And I cursed Jesus in my native tongue. Fifty days later, he stands before the crowd and says, Brethren, listen to me. The Jesus whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Savior. They were cut to the heart and said, What should we do? What changed this man? The power of the Holy Spirit that comes on a broken and a contrite heart. Jesus knew he was broken. Jesus knew he was contrite. That is why when he rose again, he said, go and tell my disciples and Peter that I have risen. I have risen. I know he's broken. I know he's contrite. And he's the first one I am going to use to speak to this world the power of my gospel. Because I use the weak and the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and the strong. Do you believe? In the gospel. Do not be seduced by Babylon. Great and mighty are the plans of God in each life here. You are called. Set apart. For a time and a season like this. Much more than you can dream or imagine. And You don't need anything for that. Other than a broken and a contrite spirit. Everything else God will give. A broken and a contrite spirit, he cannot give. You have to become that. That's why scripture says, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So this morning, where are we? Have we gone to sleep in the comfort of the AC? Or have our spirits been quickened?
purposes of God. Like I said, two tools of the enemy to seduce and to take people into captivity is darkness and ignorance. Yet scripture says in James 4, 7, Submit to God. Submit to God. First, resist the devil. Submit to God. He will flee from you. Forget the chota mata powers, rulers and all. Don't worry about this kuti chatans and all. He says the devil himself will flee from you. For that, you have to keep submitting to God and resist the devil. He will flee. Submit. How do I submit to God? Understand how the devil uses his two weapons. His first weapon is darkness. 1 John 1, 5 to 7 says, This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. We have received a message from God and we declare that message to you. God is light, in him there is no darkness. So if we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, he says no. Everything that is dark, a work of darkness in your life, Bring it to light. So the devil loses power over your soul. You don't have to talk it to any man or any woman. It's not needed. You can talk it directly to God because he is light. The devil is darkness. God is light. Whatever is of darkness in your light, life, bring it to light. If you do, then scripture says in verse 7, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If you bring it to light, it's gone. And the only thing the devil doesn't want you to do is don't confess, don't confess, don't confess, don't confess, confess, because if you don't confess, he has power over it. If you confess, he loses power. Lord, from whomever I have stolen, I will give four times over. Half my wealth I will sell and give it to the poor. He confessed. The devil lost his soul. Jesus looked at it and said, Zacchaeus, salvation has come into your house today. You're free. Muktogaya. Free. You're a son of Abraham. One shot. Years and years and years and years of captivity. When did Zacchaeus start this journey? We do not know. By the time he finishes his journey, he is the chief income tax officer of Jericho. Rich, mighty rich by taking money from people. But that day Jesus came to his house and he stood up and he said, Lord, from all I have taken, I return according to the law and half my wealth I want to sell and give it to the poor. God said, you brought everything out of darkness into light. Free, go. Free. One instant. 30 or 40 years of slavery to the devil broken in one instant. That is the power of our God. If you bring it to the light, darkness has no power. So make confession a daily habit with God. Doesn't matter. That's why God says, even if you fall seven times, 70, if you come to me, I will forgive you because I am interested in taking you out of darkness into light. That is the set of people, Peter says, who declares the praises of him who has brought them out of darkness into light. Doesn't matter how many times. Do not let have darkness have power over you. Make it a daily personal habit. Second thing, 
ignorance. Hosea 4.6 says, My people perish, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Meditate upon this. Day and night. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of recorded message on the website. Listen to them. Listen to them. Listen to them. Listen to them. Two weddings. Back to back. And looking over, they're all pastors. How many of those pastors? I can't even recognize them. I don't even know them. They said, ah, yeah, pastor, yeah, pastor, yeah, pastor, yeah. Another pastor I meet and said, uh, where is your church? Senior man of God. In the, where is your church? I said, Jeevan Jyoti. Jeevan Jyoti. That's where every month the pastor's conference takes place, right? I said, you are that pastor? I said, I am that pastor. Everybody knows the word. That's preached here. How do they know? Because this word we preach, we don't take mula. That's how everybody knows. No registration. You don't have to pay anything. We give you a good lunch, a good word, and we'll give you an offering consistently for six years. The whole city knows this is of God. Otherwise, it's not possible. It's not just the word that is preached. How it is preached. That's what John and Peter said. Gold and silver we do not have. But what we have, we will give you. Today people preach for silver and gold. Something which God taught me from the beginning. And when you go, trust me, do not mix mammon with this. They will believe you. It will take time. Because the word you preach will be tough. But they will ultimately believe you. Because there is something called consistency in the kingdom of God. Do you believe? My people perish because of lack of knowledge. People have knowledge about everything. Ask these young people. They will give you knowledge on gadgets and apps and everything. Do you know your word? Apps will take you to heaven or what? Most of the people who reach heaven will be the poor who did not have a phone even. Forget an app. The rich man who was dressed in splendor and having multi-course meals over there, when he died, he got a rich funeral. But the demons dragged him to hell. The poor fellow who was sitting outside with dogs licking his swords, who was begging every day and probably ate crumbs from the man's table. When he died, he was taken in a royal procession to Abraham's bosom. Do you have knowledge of the word? That's why God says, meditate upon my word day and night. Meditate upon my word. The entrance of your word grieves light. To walk in the light, to walk in the light, we need light, right? If there is no light, how will I walk? He says, this is my light. Lord, you said in your word, you are light and if anyone walks in the light, he will have fellowship. How do I get the light? He says, here it is. Here it is. Ignorance. Then we will be able to fight and defeat the devil. That's why Ephesians 6, 17 and 18 say, take the helmet of salvation. Why the helmet of salvation? The blood of Jesus has cleansed my conscience. My conscience is clear. 
Because everything that was in the dark, I have brought to the light and I have not put my trust in my work. I have put my trust in his blood and his blood does not cover me outwardly. It cleanses my conscience and I have a voice that speaks for me in heaven. The voice of my God himself. My helmet is secure and the word that I have now has become the sword of the very spirit of God. It will cut into smithereens the powers of darkness. I do not fear evil. That's what David says. Even though I walk in the valley of shadow of death, I fear nothing. I fear nothing. It has power. The word of God has power. Three slashes at the devil. Are you not slash? It is written. Are you not slash? It is written. Third one, are you not slash? It is also written. Devil left. Just three strokes. With the word of God. From one book called Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Three strokes. Devil gone. That's the power of the sword of the spirit. God says you and I too can win. This is not game. This is battle. Genuine battle. Get ready for battle in the tenth year. Real battle. You will enjoy. Because the joy of the battle is the victory. And the one who redeemed you and me has proclaimed over you more than what you told Gideon. To Gideon he said, mighty warrior to you and me, he says, more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Proclaimed already. Let it be a reality in our lives. So this morning, our God says, come to me. Hebrews 7, verse 25, last scripture for today. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost. Every cell in your soul, he says, I will save if you come to me. Ultimately, look at your soul, you will say, my God has my soul custody. Soul, S-O-L-E, soul custody. My God has soul custody. He says, I can set you free. Absolutely free. Totally free. I can. Do you believe? Do you want that freedom? You want that freedom. If you want that freedom, don't stand up because others are standing up. If you want that freedom, stand up. Peter, come play on the keyboard. And come, maybe once somebody comes sing, anybody. I just want to sing that song. All to Jesus, I surrender. That's a good place to begin. Remember, we are called to war, to rescue souls. All around us, often well-dressed, men and women are either slaves or slave traders. They are merchants of Babylon. They are priests and prophets of Babylon. But God says, I have anointed you to set the captives free. today. Look to Jesus today. There's something which every preacher misses if you have noticed. When they talk about the deliverance Jesus brings, where he identified completely with us so that we could have our redemption, our deliverance, our salvation. They will talk about the whips 
on his back when he bled from his back they will talk about his head with the throne on the the crown of thorns they will talk about his beard that was plucked and slapped they will talk about his nails that was pierced they will talk about the nails that went into his feet they'll talk about the side that was pierced they talk about all about it but they forget to tell you something this is babylon and babylon are slave traders whose traffic in the souls of men so that he could identify with every one of us who was trafficked and sold scripture says he himself was sold for 30 pieces of silver so that he could redeem and set us free he knows what it is to be sold he knows what it is to be sold because he himself was sold so don't say lord you don't know he says i know i was sold for 30 pieces of silver so that you free and our salvation was not bought by gold or silver peter says oh by the blood of goats or bulls it was bought by the very blood of jesus if you are really really interested in your freedom freedom from the power of darkness powers of darkness from the power of bewitchment from power of sorcery the power of this world today confess to the lord say lord i confess my sins i confess my sins oh lord speak it out if you're interested later when you are one on one with god you can clarify it all if you have to make restitution you can make restitution but now in god's house just open your mouths if you're interested and say lord i confess my sins Everything that is hidden I bring it to the light that the powers of darkness may have no power over me anymore Any oath I may have made my parents or ancestors may have made knowingly or unknowingly handing me over to powers of darkness I break it now in the name of Jesus. The price was paid by his blood. And that oath is cancelled by his blood. Every ungodly soul tie. I break it now in the name of Jesus. And I command the parts of my soul to come back. And anything that is not of me in me, I command it to leave. Spirit of God I pray you sanctify me spirit soul and body I make my declaration I want to serve you and you alone help me in my weakness strengthen me Lord I belong to you I surrender all can we sing it once again Oh uh-huh.
Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning. We just thank you, Father, that our redemption, our deliverance, our freedom was paid on the cross by you. That we are not meant to walk as slaves to this world, but to walk as free men and women, sons and daughters of the living God. For your word says, for this purpose the Son of Man came that he might destroy the works of the devil. I speak your freedom into every soul hearing today and in the days to come. I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and I command every spirit of darkness, every spirit of addiction, every spirit of lust, every spirit of covetousness. I command you to leave the people of God in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I speak healing to the soul that everyone who is captive today they will start experiencing your freedom. The liberty with the sun brings. The liberty with the spirit brings. For your word says whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Set us free Lord that we might worship you. Set us free Lord that we might serve you alone. As Moses stood before the Pharaoh and said, Let my people go, that they might worship the living God and serve him alone. Today, command the devil to set God's people go, that he may worship him and serve him alone. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. We believe and we surrender and we know, Lord, you will work in us. Because your word says the word of God has power to work in those who believe. I pray today faith will arise and your people will believe. And you will work in each one of them, Lord. Each one of us here, Lord, you will work. That we'll walk in increasing liberty. More and more and more liberty. Now and in the days to come. That we will go out and set other captives free. Thank you, thank you, Father. As we go into a new month, may your presence go with us and go before us. In everything that we do, help us to magnify your holy name. Let Christ be lifted up, Christ be glorified, Christ be exalted above everything else, O Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Now by faith we lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name, we bless your holy name. Thank you, Father. Jesus name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.